Pass me a Q-tip. I'm Grace. I'm Bridget. And this is the Gossier. Get those ears ready, baby. Exactly. You got to clean out your ears so you can hear everything because man, oh man, was this a big week for me personally. Hey, <laughs> it was it was for me, too. I want to start off with a birth announcement. Is it OK if I just jump into it? Yeah, let's jump in. We got a lot to say. OK, so I wanted to announce we have we have a new listener. She was just literally born this morning at 4.35 a.m. Central Standard Time. And immediately she said, Gossier, Gossier. Yeah, she came out saying the Gossier. She came out with AirPods in. She said, I've got my podcast on. She's like, cue it up, baby. (laughs) The baby's ready. But who is this baby? Okay. Tell us about this baby. So for those of you who've been with us since the very beginning, you might remember when I said I was hosting a baby shower. I remember. Well, that bun is cooked, baby. That is the baby. That is the baby. Her name is Ella Florence Gordon. That's a cute name. Yes, it's a very Ella's like, a great name. name because Ella Enchanted. And Florence is a perfect middle name because it's so beautiful, but you don't know a lot of Florences. So you don't want to like give that to a kid as their first name, but you don't know what kind of kid she'll be. So she might want to use that as her first name. She might be ready to pull it off. It's hard to pull off Florence. It is because a lot of people want to call you Flo. And I don't know how yeah. I feel about Flo. And if she wants to adopt Florence, she has that opportunity. Exactly. It's there. And the names her. all flow together very well. 10 out of 10 name. 10 out of 10 name. You nailed it. And I've seen pictures of her and she is freaking adorable. Good. I love pictures of wrinkly pink babies. I love a picture of a newborn baby. The variety and how they look can be so different. So the, the mom sent us pictures and said she looks better in person, which I was like, I don't know how that's possible. I mean, she looks stunning in the pictures. (laughs) And then she started talking about the baby smell. Like I've heard people talk about that, that there's that new baby smell. So they swallowed. They've been swaddling the baby. That's what you do. Yeah. And I guess one of the blankets they gave to there. There's a friend taking care of the pets. Mm -hmm. So they gave one of those blankets to the friend to take to the pets. So the pets will know the baby smell. That's fun. I like that. Just hearing someone talk about a baby smell, like she didn't describe it, but you just know that smell. And it's just like, I'm so in love with this baby. I love babies. As you can see, as Grace can see here, I have a glass of tequila. You all know what that looks like. You can picture it. (laughs) If you, the listener, have whatever you're drinking, even if it's water, I guess I'll let it go. I, I'm proposing a toast here. It's bad luck to toast with water, so you can also mime a toast. That's what I'm going to do because I don't need any bad luck. To our newest, most precious, softest listener to Ella Florence. This one's for you, Ella. Clink. I think we can start with our regularly scheduled program, which is our first segment, You Have to Tell Me. This is our segment where one of us knows a little more about some hot goss in the air and we explain it, what the deets are. So Grace, you have to tell me about this gay bachelor. 
listeners know that I am a member of Bachelor Nation. I talked about it in episode one. So Colton Underwood, who was The Bachelor in 2019, he was two bachelors ago, just came out in a Good Morning America interview this week. For those of you who are not deep in Bachelor Nation. Like me. Yeah. The surface level of this is great. Good for him. Live your truth. So happy for him. I do have questions. I've seen some memes. There's things I have to ask as someone who is not a Bachelor Nation person. I'll give you the rundown first, and then we'll have time for questions. (laughs) (laughs) So background on Colton. I do feel as though a lot of information on Colton is important to get the full experience. So Colton was the bachelor in 2019. At the time, he was a virgin, and that was like the big gimmick of his season. And he talked publicly about why he was a virgin. Oh, I think I remember people talking about this as it was weird. Yeah. So he before he was on The Bachelor, he was in the NFL. And by in the NFL, I mean, he was on a practice squad. He never played a game. So in the NFL is a bit of a stretch. But who am I? Colton also had some drama follow him on The Bachelorette season. He appeared on before he was The Bachelor. And basically the understanding of him was that he was fame hungry. Then at the end of his stint on Bachelor in Paradise, they announced him as The Bachelor. Bachelor Nation was not happy with this announcement. Colton was a very unpopular choice. He really didn't have a lot going on on TV. He was pretty boring and closed off, which, I mean, we know why now, obviously. All this time, people were always saying, like, that guy seems gay, which, assuming someone's sexuality is a whole problematic thing, but he, in the public eye, talked about questioning his sexuality a lot and said he prayed to be straight and basically that it worked. And he he questioned his sexuality. But after he was The Bachelor, he knew he was straight. So I just want to say that people weren't assuming he was gay just because he wore a sleeveless hoodie on Bachelor in Paradise, which, you know, is a red flag for a lot of people unless you're in L.A. Yeah. So there's this narrative that like, oh, people thought he was gay. They really just prejudged him. And it's like, well, he talked openly about questioning his sexuality. So people's claims weren't coming out of nowhere. I mean, still don't assume it, but whatever. And anytime anyone says they prayed the gay away, that is very alarming. Yes, It was a situation of me thinks the lady protests too much. Here's what you need to know about Colton's season of The Bachelor. His season was the season where the highest number of contestants left of their own volition. He didn't dump them. They dumped him. I think there were like six, which is big for The Bachelor. That's that's pretty insane. Yeah. The biggest highlight of his season, which even some non-Bachelor fans may have heard of, is the fence jump. He jumped over a fence. It was a viral video for a second because it was a very sudden jump. His number one girl had left the competition. So he decided he wanted to leave the show. So he ran back to his room, grabbed his wallet and jumped over the fence and like ran into the into the middle of nowhere in Portugal to hide from production. Okay, this is all super weird because like, you know what you sign on for. Mm -hmm. Colton, I mean, and Colton, again, has actively been kind of bad-mouthing production ever since the season aired. You can listen to his This American Life episode. It's very thrilling. So he jumps the fence. He gets lost in Portugal. Eventually, production finds him and brings him back. And he's basically like, if Cassie's gone, I don't want to be here. So he dumps the other two girls and he goes back to Cassie and he's like, hey, I dumped the other two girls. We don't have to get engaged, but I would like to leave here as a couple. And she agrees. So they leave as a couple, but not engaged. They stay together. This is the end of 2018 that they got together um, during filming. And they stay together until May 2020 when they break up. So they sleep with her? 
they never say, but he changed his language basically from like, I'm a virgin to like my sexual life is private. So we can confidently say they had sex over the course of their relationship. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll never know because they'll never say it, but we're pretty sure they had sex. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not calling yourself a virgin, something happened. Should yeah, exactly. Be whole, but I'll have that. I think can exactly. constitute his sex. They break up in May 2020. Colton got a really bad case of COVID in like March or April of 2020. He recovered in her home. Did he pray that away? Well, she took care of him and her whole family took care of him. And then they broke up. But here's where it gets messy and bad. In September of 2020, Cassie filed a restraining order against Colton because he stalked her. Yes, this is what I was going to ask about because I saw someone vaguely reference it. Yes. He would be outside her L.A. apartment. He would be outside her parents' house. She would wake up in the middle of the night and see him standing outside. He got a fake phone number. Oh, my God. It's like the movie Fear. Yeah. Love that movie. (laughs) He got a fake phone number and like texted her alternating between basically like, oh, you hurt me so bad. I can't believe you do this to me. And like and then also just like awful harassing texts like you'll never be better than me, blah, blah, blah. And then he put a tracking device on her car. I have an ex like this. This makes sense. Exactly. So a lot of this information is public. Bachelor Nation YouTubers literally broke it down because the request for the restraining order and all the evidence is public. So you can find this information. But those are the highlights. He stalked her. She got approved for the restraining order. And she has since withdrawn it, but they don't really speak. In the early pandemic, The Bachelor was doing these like greatest of all time specials. And Cassie appeared on one of them. They asked her about the breakup and she said, Basically, like, you know, it's it is what it is. Like she said nothing about it. Is this like a Zoom? Yeah, it was like a Zoom thing. And Colton actively was angry at her for going on this show, even though she didn't say anything. How is he actively angry, like posting on social media? I think he yeah, I think he posted on social media about it. I don't remember anymore. So this is all background on Colton. And then we get to the Good Morning America interview. So there's a lot of things to unpack about this interview. He came out. Congratulations. Live your truth. He did not tell Cassie he was doing this interview. It is unclear based on statements if he told her he was gay. She's yet to make a statement as of this recording. People assume that she knew he was gay, but we don't really have any confirmation of that. And who knows if she'll confirm it. But he did not tell her he was doing this tell all interview. That's a red flag. In the interview, he did apologize to Cassie for the way their relationship ended, but he kept it really vague. And this particularly bothers me because he knows that people who are not deep in Bachelor Nation don't really have a knowledge of the harassment and the stalking and the abuse that he put her through. This is like when people voted for Lori Lightfoot in Chicago as mayor because they exactly. didn't know about her involvement with Rahm Emanuel. And they were like, oh, I'm voting for a black woman mayor who's openly out. And it's like, yeah, yeah but she also did really bad things with yeah. Rahm Emanuel that oppressed people. <laughs> You can you can be gay and suck. Sorry. So basically, he kept the apology as vague as possible, being like, oh, I was in a really tough place. And it's like, boo hoo. You still don't get to stalk someone. And he's basically it feels very Kevin Spacey of like, I'm gay, so I'm cured of my awfulness. And it's like stalking isn't a you didn't stalk Cassie because she was a hot girl you were obsessed with. You stalked Cassie because it was about power and control and abuse. So you're not cured of that. Yeah. And so the whole interview feels very when this interview broke immediately, I was like, this feels very image rehab. Kevin Spacey trying to spin something out of this awfulness. It leaves an icky taste in the mouth. And then 
if you needed any more proof, he's already doing a Netflix docuseries, which started filming before he did this interview about being out and gay. And Gus Kentworthy is going to be on it as his gay guide. Oh, this is not good. Uh, Netflix, you got to you got to post. I know. And you know what the worst part is? He already wrote a memoir. So now he's going to have to write a second one. So whatever he's getting from Netflix must be good, is what I'm guessing. Yeah, I mean, he's getting like a full series. I, I hope people talk about boycotting it and yeah. talking about it. I mean, I won't be watching it. My other question is, when and why did Billy Eichner call him gay? This was in like the promo for the show. When he had been announced as Bachelor, you know, he's doing his media tour. And at the time, there were all these people who were like, uh, Colton seems gay, you know, on their podcasts, which we've already discussed. And then Billy Eichner just made a joke about it. And if you've seen the video, as I'm sure many of you have by now, Colton is clearly very like taken off guard by that question. And I think at the time everyone was like, oh, yeah, it's because he's homophobic. Um, but now, well, he is homophobic. He just also happens to be gay. You can also be homophobic and gay. Also true. That's a that's a little tip. Life hack. Well, that's a lot to unpack. Yeah. So that's the Colton stuff. You can be gay and trash. I think that's a good takeaway. And Colton Underwood is the poster <laughs> child. <laughs> okay, Bridget, you have to tell me about how Justin Timberlake was the mastermind behind Janet's wardrobe malfunction at the Super Bowl. Recently, the stylist from that show is talking. They talked to page six and said that Timberlake was actually planning a wardrobe malfunction the entire time that they were rehearsing because he was dead set to one up Britney after her sexy kiss performance at the MTV Music Awards that happened that August prior with Madonna and Christina. And originally Janet was going to wear a pearl beaded thong and he was going to step on the back of her dress and expose her butt and then there was a wardrobe change like a few days before and so they went along with this exposing her boob was janet aware of it no right yes 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 even the change yes that's what the stylist alleges which i'm willing to buy that because i remember when that happened i remember watching it in real time And I remember thinking when I watched it, I thought it was on purpose. It Mm -hmm. wasn't until I heard commentary about it where everyone was like, oh, she accidentally exposed her boob. And the NFL at this time definitely hated just black people as a whole and women. And so you have a black woman with her boob on live TV. I mean, the NFL just like lost their fucking mind. And I mean, not the players. We're talking Mm -hmm. the guys who the big wigs. Yes. I feel like this article just like did a lot for me because one, Justin is definitely trashed. You, there's a whole archive yeah. of him saying trash things about Brittany. So it's believable on that. Two, I felt gaslit back in 2004 when they said it <laughs> wasn't an accident or they said it was an accident. And I was like, that felt like, I don't know very about that. staged. Here's my only hesitation with believing this. And she had that pasty. That was the other thing was you remember the pasty? I do. I didn't watch it live. I was like in fourth grade. Yeah. I mean, me too. But <laughs> she had this pasty that was like, that's very intentional. Yeah. I remember even connecting those dots in my head. Like as a performer, you're not wearing like performative undergarments unless yeah. you think those undergarments are going to be seen. And I you agree can with even that. see that now, like 
in any pop music doc where they're performing and you watch them like change, they're not wearing like fancy undergarments unless it's like intentionally part of the wardrobe, but otherwise they're wearing like very flesh colored or boring stuff. So like, even at the time I was like, why would you wear? Why would you have a pasty on? Why would you have a fancy pasty? Like it was like jewel encrusted. Okay. I do remember that. Here's my question that this is my only hesitation for thinking why this, why this gives me pause, if you will. This hurt Janet Jackson's career. So why would she not say something before this? Well, I mean, I like I don't know if that's fair for me to ask of her, but why would someone on Janet's why would no one be like it was planned? It was planned after all the controversy, I guess, so that you don't dampen the controversy. Yeah. But why? Like, why now? I will. And it's not like she's coming forward about it. That's true. And she's notoriously always kind of kept quiet on the whole thing. Yeah. Basically, after the NFL came out and said, like, you know, we didn't approve this. She issued an apology. Like, I think I think the Jacksons, honestly, are some of the most professional people. Mm -hmm. And that's because they're like born into this world. I think that's why uh, Michael got away with a lot of the stuff he did. Totally. And it's just like this is how you respond to these events. You apologize and you move on. Yeah. not you don't get involved in the drama. You don't yeah. make a statement. Like, especially even if she school, knew about it. Yeah. Even old school performers, they are so like tight lipped about having an opinion on most matters because they, the last thing as a pop artist or a, a mainstream actor, you don't want to alienate your audience or the people who like you. I think yeah. recently we have more actors speaking out because we're starting to see a problem by not speaking out. Yeah, that makes sense. That's crazy. <laughs> I can't remember if I, I must have watched the Super Bowl that year because what else did I have going on? I was in fourth grade, but I don't remember it. I mean, obviously I must've been at the age where I was like, okay, a boob and. Okay, you have to tell me why Broadway is fucked up. So there's two big Broadway stories. So you get to pick which one you want to hear first. There's two musicals, Jagged Little Pill and Moulin Rouge. Which one do you want to hear first? Oh, I'm 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 sorry. I got to go full Jagged Little Pill. I think I already made it clear. I'm a millennial. Sure. I mean, so Moulin Jack- is too, but yeah. we all know how we felt when we first heard Jagged Little Pill. Exactly. So Jagged Little Pill is a jukebox musical from the songs of Alanis Morissette, obviously. It opened on Broadway in December 2019, obviously shut down pretty fast by COVID. But because of that abbreviated season, it was still kind of the favorite to win Best Musical at the Tonys. The Tonys have been postponed and postponed and postponed. It's basically about a family who has issues. It deals with issues of rape, addiction, et cetera, et cetera. So it's kind of like one of those shows, you know, they recently held a panel about inclusivity and how the show deals with different issues using terms like a gray area about gender identity and queerness. This is why this is an issue. So a reporter tweeted about this 
Christian Lewis, who is at C Lewis Reviews on Twitter, is a non-binary theater critic, talked about this panel because recently they wrote an article about this same thing that basically the long and short of it is that Jagged Little Pill just completely eliminated a non-binary character from their musical. And now they're denying they ever had a non-binary character. Oh, I was wondering. I was like, why are you making a point that the reporter was non-binary? I know this is a non-binary erasure issue. So in early versions of the show, pre-Broadway, one of the main characters of the show is named Joe. Joe is played by Lauren Patton, who is a cisgender woman who's been with the show since the beginning. Joe is a really big part in the show, generally like the showstopper of the show. She sings You Ought to Know. And Lauren Patton was kind of a favorite to win the Tony. Even in the pre-Broadway tryouts, they were talking about her. Lauren Patton has been with the show since the beginning and helped to devise the character with Diablo Cody, who wrote the book of the show. She's been with it in the beginning. In the pre-Broadway tryout, the character of Joe was non-binary, played by this cisgender actress. In the original musical, they had a bunch of references to Joe being non-binary. The character used they, them pronouns. They had a fight with their mother about their gender. They were dead named. They were invalidated by their girlfriend. It was super clear in this pre-Broadway that the character was non-binary. Critics posted about it. Teens who saw it tweeted about it because they saw representation. The actress responded to all of these saying like, that's exactly what I wanted to do with Joe. I love your support. This is so important for non-binary and trans representation, blah, 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 blah. The musical never directly said Joe is non-binary, but all of the critics mentioned it in their reviews and were never corrected. So the character was non-binary. Then when they went to Broadway, they changed the character to a cis female, took gender identity out of publicity materials as an issue they dealt with, and they just started denying that they that the character was ever non-binary. The actress went back and deleted any tweets that encouraged the character being non-binary from the out-of-town tryout. And now basically what they're saying is like, oh, Oh, yeah, we think gender is such a gray area and it's hard to discuss. And uh, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Exactly. And they're like, well, you know, if the audience saw the character as non-binary, we didn't want to like invalidate their experience seeing themselves in Joe. So we might have encouraged that. But Joe was never non-binary. Oopsie. Who's officially, who's the mouthpiece? Diablo Cody and Lauren Patton. And they have a committee that works with Jagged Little Pill to deal with inclusion and diversity. And they all are commenting all these same things. It seems someone is threatening them. Well, here's what probably happened based on what I've read in Christian Lewis's article, what I've read in other comments about it. What probably happened is the character was non-binary when they tried it out in Boston, but they realized the actress that they cast to play this character was cisgender and they didn't want to get rid of this actress and they wanted to encourage her for a Tony. They wanted to not bring any bad press to the show. So likely they're like, honestly, it's better if we just change the character to a cisgender female than have a cisgender female play a non-binary character. That's the very interesting conversation to have. Yes. And the road to hell is paved with good intentions. This is where it also gets a little tricky for me because their idea was... Lauren Patton helped develop this character. We we love her in this role. So we would we want the character to fit her identity. And she's cisgender. I wouldn't care if they came out and said that instead of denying the character was ever yeah. non-binary. That's the part that's really cringy. And secondarily, Lauren Patton's understudy is trans and non-binary. 
and also helped develop the role. Oh, Jesus Christ. When they had the option in front of them, they chose to make the character cisgender and erase the non-binary character, which is not represented in many musicals at all. I, I still think that the person who decided that had to be a producer. Oh, totally. When a producer decides something that is like that, you are really holding everyone involved in this project hostage. It's really cringy and gross. They would do that. But I'm guessing somebody in this line of people who basically is funding, controlling their paychecks, controlling where and when and if they get to perform is one saying, this is what you're going to tell the media. Well, yeah. And I have sympathy for that. But I do think at a certain point, you have to have some integrity. It brings up these further reaching issues of the fact that the producers who are doing this, there's not non-binary producers. The director, the writer, they're not non-binary. And the problem is they wanted to bring in a non-binary character because they wanted to like address this issue that they weren't equipped to handle. And rather than consult a non-binary performer or theater artist, they decided to just make the character cisgender. And they kept in vague nods, but nothing explicit about gender identity. So the problem here for me is... Well, and it's super they just fucked up because someone like Diablo Cody, this isn't going to affect her career. Sorry, I interrupted what your original thought was. <laughs> well, I just think the problem with it is owning up. And this ties into the second Broadway goss very easily. Karen Olivo, who is a big Broadway performer, gender fluid uses she, they pronouns. So I'll use they for this portion. They were the lead of Moulin Rouge on Broadway. They just announced they're not coming back when it reopens because they would rather give up the paycheck than work in an, in an inequitable industry and would rather work to make the theater industry an industry that matches their integrity than get a paycheck. So that's huge news. And that, that also is like, a, that's a power move. Yes. In that you will be rewarded. Like no one's going to say, I'm not going to work with you after pointing out something so problematic. Exactly. And Karen Olivo's in a pretty good position to do this. Karen Olivo is a pretty famous Broadway performer, best known for being an original cast member in In the Heights, won a Tony for a West Side Story revival, was also in Hamilton. In their statement, they referenced Scott Rudin as an example. If you don't know who Scott Rudin is, Scott Rudin is a famous film, TV, theater producer. He's abusive, violent, racist, awful, awful stuff that was like kind of an open secret. I was like, why do I know that name? And I think that's probably why. Yeah, he like through a computer monitor and an assistant, like he's bad and people have just been afraid to speak out for years and years and years and they finally are. And that's, you know, kind of following this trend of people feeling more comfortable speaking out, this indicative of greater issues, whatever. In Karen Olivio's statement, uh, in their statement, they basically said, uh, Scott Rudin is just like an example of someone who's awful. That's an easy thing to cancel. Before this happened, I think last year, um, they put out a statement that was like that basically said that they would no longer work with a producer or anyone who funded organizations that perpetuated inequality. Here's the quote that's the takeaway is building a better industry is more important than putting money in my pockets. What's great about this, Karen is in a position of power by being a respected performer who makes a lot of money, is also a favorite to win a Tony. Stepping away is something that they have the power to do that a young actor just starting out does not have the power to do. 
because they have the money. They don't have to worry about it. However, they are still a gender fluid person of color taking the brunt of the responsibility for the industry, while white performers with the same status are keeping completely quiet. Notably, Aaron Tveit, her co-star in Moulin Rouge, and even bigger, Scott Rudin is producing a revival of The Music Man, starring Sutton Foster, who is the biggest Broadway star of contemporary times, even if you all don't know who she is listening, and Hugh Jackman, who you all know who that is. Radio silence from them. They are not the only person speaking out, Karen, but they are the person who's made this big move. And it seems more and it seems likely that theater will probably recast without them unless other performers follow suit. The takeaway here is the theater industry is fucked up and it shouldn't be up to Karen to take on this huge role, but good for them for doing it. And we support Karen. Uh, well, I've, I've loved Karen since seventh grade in the Heights. This week, uh, we bring back a fan favorite segment, which is obituaries. <laughs> We know you guys love it when we talk about dead people. Yeah, there were some there were some deaths this week. I mean, there's death every week, but some gossworthy deaths. Bridget, why don't you start us off with Helen McCroy? I don't know who this is. <laughs> well, first off, let me just say Helen McCroy. She was a British actress. She just died from cancer at the age of 52. A lot of people know her. Oh, because- is this the girl from Harry Potter? Yes. That's why I wouldn't know her. I'm not a nerd. Uh, I'm not either. <laughs> And I don't know her from this, but I rest think in peace, Helen. Rest, R.I.P. Babe. She was in Harry Potter as Nars. Oh God, I'm sorry if you're a nerd. I mean that with love. If you are a Harry Potter fan, you know who she was. So we don't need to say the name. Well, I want to try. Sure, go for it. It's a hilarious name. It's like, oh, do you think she was a good guy or a bad guy? Because <laughs> her name was Narcissa Malfoy. What do you okay. think? Good guy or bad guy? Well, bad guy. I know Malfoy. Yeah. And we know Narcissa is obviously a feminine form of narcissist. I I love that's beautiful for a girl. I'm going to name my daughter Narcissa. I mean, we're still upset, JK, for her anti-trans rights, but clever name. Clever name. <laughs> I wouldn't go so far as to say clever. <laughs> I would say. You just said you would name your kid that name. Well, yeah, not because it's clever. It's effective. <laughs> It gets the point across, but I wouldn't call it Ooh. clever. That's like me naming my daughter Hairbrushia. All right. Because she's got good hair. Not clever, but affected. All right, relax. So the reason I had to bring her up is because I actually, just a mere weeks ago, binged all of the available seasons and episodes of PK fucking blinders. Let me tell you, that is one of those shows that I know the name, I know nothing about it, and I don't want to know anything about it. You know what? I was once like you. I was 100% <laughs> like you. Fair enough, fair enough. So I'm here to tell you the gospel. I tried to watch this like, like two years ago, and I fell asleep because we are dealing with some heavy Cockney accents. Kill me. <laughs> but as we've reached this pandemic, whatever you want to call it, of TV... My partner was like, you know, I see this show on Twitter. People talk about it. Why don't sure, we try sure. it? And I am so glad we did watch it because this show is beautiful. 
because they are, they're part Irish, they're part gypsy, they're living in Britain. They are in the time of, I think between, I think the whole series is supposed to be between World War One and World War Two. So you're dealing with- Yawn. <laughs> you fucking bitch. <laughs> Not even during a war? I love, love, love the show. And when I found out about Helen McCroy, I was absolutely devastated because here's the thing. She is the matriarch of the family. And so Aunt Polly died. And like I said, I'm here with a bottle of tequila today during this recording. And I'm pouring some out right now for my Aunt Polly because she was a beautiful gypsy queen and she's a fucking babe. So Aunt Polly, I hope heaven is everything it's supposed to be. This drinks for you, babe. You're my queen. Rest in peace, Aunt Polly. I won't watch your show, but I still hope you went to heaven anyway. But if anyone, I'm recommending the show. Okay. And so, the show I'm recommending is The Circle. Get your recommendations not, in. <laughs> I'm eyes emoji. So, <laughs> All right. So someone else died this week and his name. Someone else died. His name is Bernie Madoff. Woo woo. Do we remember Uncle Bernie? Uh, his big thing was in 2008, right? Am I remembering that correctly? He stole Actually, a bunch of money. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really good with years. I was that in was eighth good. grade. That was really good. I'm, so, I've always been good with years. He was 82. So his time that's had a, come. That's a full life. Yeah. He had one of the largest Ponzi schemes in history, if we're not including banks. <laughs> it was like $65 billion in fraud. I remember it was a big deal when it came out, but I was in eighth grade. I didn't understand it. I didn't understand it, and it came out when I was... Yeah, if I'm being honest, I still don't understand it. He was sentenced in 2008 for 150 years in prison, so... (laughs) So bye! (laughs) Yeah. Now, I think you have a very sad... Yeah, I'm I'm sorry to close out our obituaries on a sad note, but this week we saw the death of Jennifer Lopez and Alex Rodriguez's relationship. But let's be honest, they were weekend at burning it at the end there. Did you see the the Instagram story? Oh, I did see the Dumois. Okay, so they posted a long time ago that A-Rod and J-Lo were probably going to break up that A-Rod was cheating on J-Lo with someone from Southern Charm. I don't watch Southern Charm. And it kind of came out that he was cheating. And then they broke up, quote unquote, and then they got back together, quote unquote. I'm doing air quotes, but you guys can tell in my voice that I'm doing that. And then they broke up again this week. So the consensus is that like Jennifer Lopez was like, I'm not going to let cheating be my narrative. We're going to get back together. We're going to hang out for a little bit and then we're going to break up again amicably. Well, not even just cheating, but like I'm in control of this fucking breakup. Yes. Like she said, this breakup is going the way I need it to go. I'm driving the car. I will decide how we're breaking up, why we're breaking up, what you're able to do after we break up. Yeah. Which is why I stand JLo. And then <laughs> Alex Rodriguez posted on his Instagram story a video. Did you see this? It's a video where he's filming a bunch of photos of JLo that he has. Well, Fix You by Coldplay is playing in the background. It's like, what the fuck? A-Rod's holding on to this relationship because aside from Madonna, this is probably the best publicity relationship he's been in. Yeah. I mean, what a couple this is. J-Lo is one of those people who stays so famous and she doesn't have to do that much to do it. 
She's great. I think she, I know. No, I think she does a lot, but she makes it look at Yes, 100%. Yeah, she works too hard for me to be discounting her like that. Yeah, she were, I think she's a workhorse and she, she's probably one of the best celebrities of all time because she makes it look effortless and I'm willing to bet. And I feel like I may have also heard this from someone who was an intern of hers. She seems very like, dismissive and mm-hmm. like let's just get shit done like yeah. i'm not here to suck each other off she does not mix business and pleasure yeah she keeps them separate she knows what she's here for and so that's why i think with the a-rod relationship yeah is like she knew he wasn't gonna be faithful and i think for a time she was fine with that but then it did get to a point where he's cheating a lot or, or whatever it's, their it's agreement public. is. Yes, it's too like, public. It's, it's coming out. Everyone knows he's cheating on yeah. her. There gets to be a point where like you're not allowed to be in a plane with like female stewardesses that make yeah. you go, Jesus fucking Christ, dude. How do you not lock that shit down? At a certain point, this relationship probably became more trouble than it was worth for Jay. Yeah, you're you're probably spending so much money in like fucking PR. She's smart. Well, I'm glad she got away from him, but it is a sad death of a relationship for a rod. <laughs> yeah, for a rod. Obviously, he's listening to fix you in his room and crying. Sir, you're down bad if you're listening to Coldplay. And that's our obituaries. That's our obits. So we have our Biden bites, which is when we talk about how Biden is not a daddy. We talk about any member of the Biden family, whatever they do in the week and how it's disappointing all of us. Yeah. And this week, it's pretty much all about Joe Biden. He didn't do um, any great stuff. Uh, Bridget, you want to talk to me about Biden capping refugee numbers? He's being called out by our favorite Dems, Omar, AOC, all the gals, Jaya Paul, Dick Durbin, even the fucking libertarians funded by Koch's are upset with Biden's cap on the refugee limit. Trump set this limit that is like the lowest limit in 40 years, which is 15,000. Mm-hmm. And in February, Biden's like, no, 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 we're going to raise this limit to at least 62,500, which what the fuck with these numbers. By not raising this, we're fucking with people's lives and safety, honestly, because you don't become a refugee for fun. It's absolutely insane what he's doing. It's despicable. But he's holding on to this limit. I'm sure they're going to unveil some sort of extensive plan. But this is super fucking with people because this was a huge part of his campaign was like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to be the cool president and let people into the United States, especially refugees that are literally escaping harm. And then he said, Never mind. <laughs> Which makes you wonder what's going on with this guy. What's going on is he knew he needed the progressive vote to get elected, but he never had any intention of being progressive. Speaking of which, why don't you go into the next? <laughs> this is Biden giving a statement that is a tried and true statement with politicians who are trash. As you know, as ev- as everyone knows, police do be murdering everyone because they're fucking pigs. Adam Toledo and Dante Wright were 
murdered this week. Both unique cases, obviously, but both come down to the cops are racist and murdered these people who weren't even who were not posing any threat to them, which is, again, what cops do. Yeah. And even if they weren't racist because they murdered other white people, we have an occupation that is government funded for full grown ass adults to murder other people of all ages for no fucking reason. Mm -hmm. Like that's the insanity we're talking about. And they get to be judge, jury and executioner of who gets murdered. Yeah, because people are afraid to persecute cops, because if we persecute cops, then we have to like, I don't know, actually fucking abolish a system that makes no sense in 2021. That grew from slave patrol. But who am I? But I'm not the president. So the big issue with Dante Wright, with the Dante Wright murder, is that Kim Potter, the woman who murdered him, her little story is that she thought she was picking up her taser, which could not more obviously be a lie. I mean, no, you didn't. Why did you need a taser a kid? Yeah, exactly. It's a lie and it's a bad one. Even Pat Robinson, Robert, what's his name? Pat Robertson, the guy who fucking runs televangelism and is old as sin, who is on the 700 Club, which is like Jesus TV 101 is like, how the fuck did this happen? Yeah. So obviously people were protesting Dante, right? And it's the same old song of protesting that everyone decides to bring in the National Guard. And then they say, but there's no excuse for violence and looting from the protesters. And this time around, Biden says, please don't loot. Please don't have violence. But the National Guard's there, Biden. You're talking to the wrong audience. And he's obviously saying, you know, oh, well, peaceful protests, fine. But don't do a violent protest. If you want a peaceful protest, don't put the National Guard there. Actually, if you want a peaceful protest, don't murder people. Bridget, tell me also about how Biden is a narc loser. Well, he's also (laughs) conservative trash in this way. Actually, even worse than conservative trash because he's a narc. (laughs) He's a narc. Even worse. First off, he's a narc. There's nothing worse than being a narc. He is so anti-pot and... I think we've kind of touched on it before with the way he treated firing staffers. But now that New York is becoming legalized, he's made a point to say he still does not want it to become federally legalized. And why I'm saying is worse than conservative trash is because at least half of Republicans support legalization. Like you can look at polls that. Well, there's also I do think it's important to say to any Republicans listening, I don't think you've tuned in this long. I think you've turned it off by now. But there's a big difference between Republican voters and Republican politicians. And I think Republican voters. Same with Democrats and progressives. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Well, exactly. There's voters and politicians have different issues at the forefront of their mind. So I don't want to villainize every voter for the sins of their politicians. Well, that's why, because most of this is regardless of how you identify in your personal life, your sexuality, race, all that shit. It really comes down to how much money you're making and how mm-hmm. much money you're making from a capitalist system. And that's the people pulling the strings. And right now, majority of voters all want a federally legalized marijuana state here. Mm-hmm. Even Schumer, Schumer has gone on record to be like, well, I don't think he's going to be cool with it, but I still We're gonna do it. 
we still have to like write a bill and like make this happen because this is what the voters are asking for. So I don't know what Biden's hang up is other than dementia. His hang up is he this is my read on Biden Biden is that he wants his legacy as a president is to be someone who got along with both sides of the aisle. I think that's foolish because both sides of the aisle are not going to ever agree on something because of the way both sides of the aisle have been acting. And I'm not saying one is acting better than the other. I just tend to agree with the policies of one more than the other. But because of that, I think Biden would rather do nothing and be liked by both sides than do something and be hated by one. He's punishing the American people for the sins of his fail son. Well, I wouldn't say sins because he's got because being a drug addict is a complicated issue. Being a drug user is a complicated issue. I'm using his words, not mine. Yeah, (laughs) but that's the thing is I think he has this power to be so helpful to people who are struggling with addiction across the country, and he has such shame about it. He's not gonna. He won't do it, and it's a real shame. Instead, he wants to be like this guy who's well liked by everyone when really he should just be like, I'm legalizing weed. Sorry. See you at the Christmas party. But he'll never he'll never even see that because as I wrote in all caps in my notes, the guy is just a fucking loser. If we okay weed, it means he's forgiven his son. In the words of TikTok, it's just not giving what y'all said it was supposed to give. And that's Biden's presidency. (laughs) Bridget, do you want to tell us what the main topic is? Because we got a submission this week, everybody. Hell yeah. Actually, Ella's mom. Happy birthday, Ella. Her mother, Allison, said she needed more Meghan Markle. Here's what you need to know about me, everyone. I love Meghan Markle. I, when I was young, was very into the royal family. And by very into the royal family, I mean, I liked watching the royal weddings. I like the idea of princesses. Sue me. How many royal weddings have you seen? I watched live Kate and Meghan's. Okay, both so of I was them. Gonna say, not the that there's ones. a lot. You're very young. You're very young. Yeah, I've only seen the. I've only watched the big ones. I was too young. I think I wasn't. When did Princess Diana got me get married? Oh, before we were born. Before I was born. I was not born yet. Okay. You- wow, she was married that long. I thought you were. You fucking- I, didn't, I didn't know she was married that long. My aunt likes to talk about how. Her timeline of getting married and having children is also the same as Diana's. That's cute. Princess Dice. But I didn't know if you watched any like Fergie's kids. And I call her Fergie because I remember the night. I watched the big ones. I watched William and Kate and Harry and Meghan. I even have a commemorative William and Kate shot glass, which has aged poorly. But now it's just fun to have. That was a gift. I didn't buy it for myself. (laughs) Uh, I was like, you're sick, but I'm into it. But yeah, I woke up to see the royal weddings. So I and obviously I'm not like a royal family stan anymore, but I am a Meghan Markle stan. I'll mention a few things that I, I would love, love about Meghan Markle. She challenges mm-hmm. the monarchy. She is a woman of color in a powerful position. She has a shithead father, which I think both of <laughs> us can relate to. She fucked the hot prince and had his kids. Kids, plural, because the second one's coming out soon. And she definitely did not fuck Pierce Morgan. Queen. In fact, she ghosted Pierce Morgan, as anyone should. Absolute queen. Should be the queen. Yeah, we'll get there. And we'll get to that. But first, let's start with... Okay, so she just did the interview on Oprah on CBS, which if you haven't seen it, just go watch it because we're not going to riff on that right now. Yeah, you can see highlight clips too if you don't want to watch the whole thing. 
You probably know enough of the highlights. I see. I was going to say the whole thing is kind of like kind of deflating because you wanted more. And it's very clear that everyone has people involved. Like, you know, they showed these questions to the queen before they did it. Well, and you know that Megan has this pressure which is not fair, but to come off as poised and well-spoken. And I think the best way for her to do that was to have questions approved ahead of time and have answers prepared. And so she's not going to say anything well, and crazy. No matter what, if you want to see your family at Christmas or wherever the fuck you're going to run it by. Them. Yeah, exactly. We all heard the jokes that this interview <laughs> killed Prince Philip, which only leads most of us to ask someone should have interviewed her. Yeah, again, sooner. Prince Philip. Rest wherever you are. This, Yeah, this is kind of the grand finale of Prince Philip because his funeral's coming up and it's set to be a big party decked out with a, hold on, customized Land Rover. That's how he's going to be carried in, People Magazine tells me. It was custom made to the Duke's specification. And Grace got that. I got that live. She got that live, folks. The royal had a lifelong love for the British-made vehicle. Yawn. So Megan is an actress. Was an actress, is an actress. Was, I, do, I think she might go back into it now that she has left the royal family because she'll be allowed yeah. to. And you need to bring in that money somehow. And she got her start on Deal or No Deal. Which I was very into Deal or No Deal for a while. I was in like middle school. So what else did I have to be doing? I guess I could have been kissing boys, but no, I was watching Deal or No Deal. And if you don't know what Deal or No Deal is, I did have to ask Grace to explain this to me before we recorded. I know it's a show. It's a game of chance. It's a game of probability. But the gist of it is a bunch of hot girls hold and open briefcases. And Meghan Markle was one of the briefcase girls. You can find clips of her. They're everywhere. And she's also known for Suits. Did you watch Suits? I never watched Suits, but I've thought about it because it seems exactly like the kind of show I would watch. It's a procedural. I'm sure there's a love story. I also think there's probably a lot of post-watching of it. Like, people are watching it now. Oh, yeah, I'm sure people are watching it now. Who else is on Suits? I'm going to look. She was a born and raised Angelino. Catherine Heigl was on it for 26 episodes. I didn't know that. She's trash. Okay. Anyway, go on. She met Harry. People who normally did not give a fuck, myself included, started to pay attention to the royals. And if it's not clear now, and if you're not a listener of Sex with Ghosts, I'm very raised and born Irish Catholic, so fuck the royals. Here's my question for you. Oh, yeah. When you were young, were you a Harry girl or a William girl? Like, who do you think was hotter? And try not to let their current looks cloud your judgment. Current looks not clouding my judgment i was fine with either i was always a harry girl but here's the weird thing about harry that i'll admit totally remind me of my cousin jay which was kind of a turn on because he's, like, he's just like me we could really make it work long term yeah but he's your cousin but also very weird because your cousin but i thought both were attractive i thought both were attractive but i was definitely a harry girl because he was like the bad boy playboy. I was like, I want to hang out with him. But I was in like fifth grade. So I was like, I'm not going to be able to hang out with him for a while. When we were talking about this episode, you were talking, you don't even know how Megan and Harry met. I know that it's in the back of my mind somewhere, but it's not, it's not knowledge I am privy to right now. I honestly don't have a lot of details about it. They met in like, I know they met in like a Hollywood way. Yes. Well, here's why. Okay. So this is like the best trashiest like mm, (laughs) this is satisfying so megan 
was filming in the UK for Suits. And she was hanging out with her gal pal, Serena Williams. Oh, yes. So they were like going bar hopping and they're drinking. They're having a good time. They're both high profile people. I mean, probably no one in Britain watches Suits. But I think if you're married. Yeah, Serena was probably more high profile than Megan. But her proximity to Serena. But I think if you're an American actor in Britain, there's like some sort of intrigue. Oh, yeah. Interest, and Serena, right? so you know she's at least partly famous. I mean, and she's stunningly beautiful. One hundo, my friendo. So they're going to the pubs. They're doing shots of vodka. They're drinking brews. And Megan runs into Pierce Morgan. Oh, I do know this. Pierce Morgan thinks this is like the juicy fun part of this story. Pierce Morgan thinks he's having like a good time. He's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, we're really hitting it off. Yeah, we're probably going to go home together. And obviously he's Pierce Morgan. So she's like, I got to get away from this creepy old white guy who won't like you give an you give an ugly guy an accent. He thinks he has too much power. Exactly. Exactly. So she pieces out. She goes to a party after hanging out in the bar with Pierce Morgan and that's where she meets Harry. What a step up. Imagine the cab ride over to that party where Megan's like, why do the ugliest men hit on me? And then she met Prince Harry. And she's like, never mind. I take it back, Serena. And Pierce Morgan tells this story like. Like as if they went on a date. Yes. We went on a date and I could have had a chance. And she's she's the fickle woman in this case. And anyone with half fucking brain who's probably heard him tell the story, and I mean probably like IRL oh, style. He's probably told this to every single one. Any any person who will talk to him, he's like, yeah, like I dated Meghan Markle right I had before a she chance. met Harry. I had a and chance. every single person who hears it is probably like, define dated. And she was into you. And how did you know this? She could not get to that party faster. You know what I mean? Love celebrities meeting at parties because it gives me hope. Like if I could just sneak into the right party at the right time, I could be a princess and then leave the royal family. Yeah, you could definitely do that, Grace. Her being a person of color obviously challenged the system of incest. (laughs) Elizabeth and Philip were second cousins. Yeah. And Harry and Meghan... They married in 2018, mm-hmm. which makes her, made her, past tense, I suppose, mm-hmm. the Duchess of Sussex. 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 So this has led to some very controversial and heinous tabloid coverage in the British media. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is at the same time comforting and disheartening. Actually, it's more disheartening because everyone's like, oh, my God, I hate America. I want to move. Everyone's racist. Yeah. If you look at the list of like safest countries for women, America is actually very low. Yeah. The hard part about this is, you know, tabloids are obviously a part of being in the public eye. Megan knew that and she she thought she knew what she was signing up for, but she didn't know what she was signing up for because the way the monarchy and the tabloids work together in Britain is much different than how celebrities and tabloids work together in the U.S. Have we talked about this before? About what? The reason it's so fucked up is because for a very long time and to this day, British citizens want to get rid of the monarchy. Like Mm -hmm. There's no legitimate reason why you have the monarchy 
in Britain. Yeah. But they've never had like a successful divorce. Whereas like, say, France, and I think, and I, I could be really speaking out of turn. So if you're an international listener, please mm-hmm. send us a message. We are unfortunately American. But so. to my American understanding, other countries have given up their monarchies in the sense of they might kind of still exist, but they live on their own wealth and they're just titles that exist in that sort mm-hmm. of rich, exclusionary world. But in Britain, they make taxpayers pay for their lives. So that's why in a lot of these conversations with Megan, for instance, like if you watch the Oprah interview, they talked about security and like how they just cut off the security and they talk a lot mm-hmm. about the firm. Yeah, I don't. The firm. Oh, the firm. Yes. So the firm is obviously the people, whatever capacity, maybe it's like the Oscars where it's just like the certain key points of the royal family get to vote. But mm-hmm. there's a firm involved that talks about like, you know, how we spend our money, what our relationship to the press is going to be. Because the whole survival of the monarchy in 2021 is based on the relationship with the press. If you have a Mm -hmm. bad relationship with the press and people start saying like, well, who the fuck is making the decisions? Why are we paying taxes to these people? What is in return to the British people? If there's no value for these people to be living off government money, which if you think about it, they are the OGs of welfare. If they don't have a reason to be having these substantial lifestyles why are we funding it mm-hmm. so that's why you know fergie's credit card debt was huge it wasn't just like oh she's a rich person with credit card debt she's a rich person with credit card debt whose lifestyle is being afforded by actual taxpayer money taxpayer money i i love megan i love what she stands for but at the same time i'm not like upset for her in a sense where I'm like really losing sleep or feeling a terrible cringe mm-hmm. because you're going to be fine. The whole family's going to be fine. Yeah. I mean, I do think there was a period there where they weren't sure if they would get protection, that that's where I would have sympathy for it. Well, because the turnaround of like, Hey, we're cutting off. You are very public figures. That's that's super fucked up. Yeah, especially when they have a baby. Yeah. That's a lot to worry about. And they're humans. They're just fucking Yeah, exactly. They've been in the public light. Like, Yeah, and I think the reason I have more sympathy for Megan than other people in, like, the public eye situations is because Megan truly could not have known the extent of what she was signing up for. I think she thought she did, but I don't think she could have known really what was going on or that the she wouldn't be protected from the press or that they would provoke racism like they did. Yeah. What's our last thoughts on Megan? Absolute queen. Yeah. Love Megan. I'm glad. I'm glad she got out. And I think she's going to use the platform that she has really wisely because I think she, because she went through this knows what it means and knows that she's got a spotlight on her and isn't going to waste it. Yeah, but I wish she would actually use it and expose people for... I know, I wish she would snitch. I wish she would say, I'll tell you who said it, it was William. But I'm not her. What's Megan's zodiac sign? Question. I bet she's a Capricorn. Let's see. Ooh, that makes sense. Oh, you know what she is? 
What? Actually makes so much sense. And I'm saying this because- Wait, my what partner, is she? I forgot. My partner- Oh, Leo? Sign. Leo. Oh, that makes sense. That does make partner, sense. So I'm, I'm sure she's a great partner too. Leos but, have their Leos have their things. I did talk about Leos, I think, in episode one. I think we did because I talked about my partner and his fucking yeah. Congratulations. Well, for that does make sense. Moments. I well, I think there's this narrative of that Megan is like this all-powerful seductress who pulled Harry away from the royal family. And it's like, no, she's just way more charismatic than anyone else in the family. And honestly... And he... Yeah, it's like, no one can convince someone to do something. There are scarier signs than Leo. And I'm not going to list them off here because I don't want to alienate any of our listeners. But there are definitely specific signs that when I hear someone is that sign... And I'm not even a huge astrological person, but I do take those signs with a bit of um, with a grain of salt. Yeah. Leo's, I think, are kind of a poster child for annoying. And I think they're fine being that way because they know that they're not the worst sign. They're like, yeah, go ahead. Blame it on me. I don't care. That doesn't affect my confidence. I think you're right, and I'm saying this again as a partner of a Leo, which also is like, you know, tokenism, I guess, also <laughs> astrological way, but you're not wrong. Leos are fine being talked shit on because at least they're being talked about. That was well said. Grace, where can people find you? Well, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at the Grace Piper. And if you like the Vampire Diaries, I host a Vampire Diaries podcast with my sister, Stephanie. It's called Doppelgangers, and you can find us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Bridget, where can everyone find you? At Bridget underscore Suckett on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find this podcast on the same platforms at The Gossier. And if you have any juicy tidbits, we do have a submission form linked to in our social medias. But you can also email us the gossier pod at gmail.com and i can tell you we already have a submission for our main topic for next week so if you have a submission out there don't delay you will fall behind yeah we're building up a list folks so be um be proactive and be thanks, a leo today thanks for listening and please rate review us on apple while we're never gonna hit any sort of like best podcast list, it still makes people more encouraged to listen to us if you tell them to listen to us. Yeah. And if you have friends you like to goss with, tell them about this podcast because then you have a whole new group of people to goss with. I mean, honestly, I've, I've had, had friends reach out, say this pod is great. Because I do feel like I am in the inner circle. So, and to the people who have said that, thank you so much. Because that was honestly one of the big reasons why I wanted to do this podcast with Grace. Was to create the feeling that Grace and I, um, I think we've Have invited you to a cool lunch table. But this is what Grace and I used to do while being paid was let's lay out some gas when we're supposed to be telling people to shut the fuck up and line up for a comedy show. 
And the great thing about this being a podcast, Bridget wouldn't let me talk about Bachelor Nation then, but now she has Actually, to. I would in our work office. And I actually had someone once tell me, yeah, I wasn't sure about Grace because she talked a lot about Bachelor, but she's great. <laughs> you got to hit him with the low expectations. So you can blow him out of the water. That's what I do. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, we got to say goodbye. But we'll see you guys next week with new Goss then. We love you. We love you very much, listeners. Uh.